collectively as a day, I think, for the Warriors. And I don't necessarily think the trade deadline was a disaster. Um, They didn't make any big swings. You know, they they saved some tax by trading away Brad Wanamaker to Charlotte for nothing, basically. Uh, And then Marquise Chris to San Antonio, you know, a guy who's, who's injured and pretty much out for the season. Um, but the non-Kelly Oubre trade, Tim Kawakami, who's on the podcast, we can get into. That's capped at night. We also need to get into Oubre's comments, to which to me makes the trade deadline look worse for the Warriors. And then the game wasn't good. They gave up 141 points, get blown out without Steph and Draymond in uh, Sacramento. And their rookie, James Wiseman, who the second half is about, maybe had his worst game as a pro. So that's the setup for what I think was maybe their lowest point of the season. Yeah, we'll see. You know, any game without Steph and Draymond, you, you do have to kind of throw off to the side. But the, yeah, they were they were really bad, and, and Wiseman was truly awful in the first half, uh, and you know maybe a little better in the second half, but just didn't look like he looked like Kevon Looney sometimes out there. It was like, what was the point of having him out there if he's not going to touch the ball? If he's not going to look like he's in position to touch the ball? That's we can talk about one about that uh, down uh, later in the podcast. But I, I do. Want to talk about the trade deadline stuff? I, you know, I don't think it was a positive or negative. Kelly Oubre is the kind of guy who's not going to say, "Hey, I'm happy with a being a bench player next season." That's great for me. Like, he's just not going to say that, and, and you probably don't want him to say that. So, you know, whether it's forty percent chance they have to resign him at a decent number, or whether it's thirty percent, I think that was known kind of going into this. The marketplace is going to decide this. It's not, you know, anything other than that. And if they couldn't get a lot for him or couldn't get anything for him that, that was significant, I don't have a problem with them holding on to him. And if they lose him, they lose him. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I don't think Lonzo Ball was there for him. I don't think, you know, some of the interesting things that, that we were yeah, I mean, I were, can... were there. So, like, you know, I, I, and I do think hey, they're already at a high, high number even without him next season if they lose him. You know, I, if, if they get those draft picks, and if they don't get those draft picks, that will be a problem because that's how they're going to help the team. Yeah. If they lose Ubre, I, I, you know, it wouldn't help them, but they hit their draft picks, and I don't think it would be that big a deal. They want them. They should want them. I don't think it would be a killer if they lose them. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just look in, you just lose a middle-of-the-rotation piece, and yep. as we talk about a team, you know, wanting to win a title next season, which they do. Uh, those aren't pieces you want to lose for nothing. It's also a guy who you traded a protected first for, which might not end up being a first, but if it gets flipped into a second, it looks like it will literally be the best second in the league. You know, Minnesota's 31st overall probably. So that's a valuable just asset that you spent on him for a season, which at this point we kind of think is somewhat of a lost season as far as competitively. So to me, that's just it ends up being a kind of poor asset management when you could have recouped some of that value today. I understand why not to do it, but then when Ubre comes out, says what he says, and to me, it needs to be framed not just Kelly Ubre saying, "Well, I I think I'm better than coming off the bench." Steve Kerr went on ninety five seven the day before and said he would come off the bench. So like yeah. that's kind of the lead up to that quote. Yeah. And then no and then also I asked them, you know, did you talk to the Warriors about your future? You know, sometimes a lot of these backroom deals um you know, remember Iguodala to Miami last trade deadline? Well, right when he got to Miami, it was like extension because like th- people talk about the future. I mean, I think that was very much the the crux of the Kyle Lowry conversation today behind the scenes in the league was 
um, you know, his future? Would he go to these places and feel comfortable signing in these places? So I'll, I'll be a devil's advocate. Did you want Steve Kerr to say, yes, he'll be the starter next season? Of course he's not. No, but I don't think season. it's great Clay, when the Clay Thompson's the starter next season. So, you know, I, I, I just think that they don't know. They might lose him. They did give up something to get him. They paid a lot of money for him. Eh, you know what? What? So, you know, if they didn't do it, they wouldn't have had him this season, and they probably would have, you know, that good Minnesota second round pick. Uh, I think that's not a terrible end result out of all this, and with a, with a let's say forty percent chance to bring him back or to get a trade exception for him, which I think. Would be you know better than fifty percent shot at, at getting a trade exception. Yeah, you probably throw another so, second. Yeah, to just exactly. So and, I, you know, yeah. I, I think this one is still to be judged. I, I wouldn't. I, I don't view it. I, I'll be hard on this. I do not view anything about the quote. I don't. I don't think that's very significant. Of course, Kelly Uber is going to say he's not a backup. Well, well, of course, he's not. He's in his mind, he's not. Maybe that will play out exactly like that. He's going to get a starting job somewhere for. $18 million a year, uh, and, and then he's gone. If he doesn't get it, then maybe there's a chance he comes back to the Warriors as, as a very good, interesting six-man. Uh, maybe it's another one-year deal, whatever. I, I don't think that's a big development today. I really don't. Yeah, I, and in general, and I've reported some of this, Atlanta said no to the Bogdanovich deal. Um, yep. you, you mentioned, I mean, Lonzo Ball just played himself over the last couple yep. months <laughs> yes. back into yes, New did. Orleans' future. Yep. And so he stuck around there. I'm surprised New Orleans was talking about trading him anyway. Like even when he was playing bad, he's young. He's a point They're guard. They're trying to defend. figure out what's you know they've got a yeah. lot of moving parts there and, yes. and big contracts. Yes. The Bledsoe Adams situation where they're it's just that's another team's you know messy yes. situation. Yeah. Um, any of the other big you know Aaron Gordon, there was some preliminary talks, but they never were really deep in those discussions. There were like five other teams that, that seemed yep. closer. Denver obviously gets Gordon. There was some Danny Green noise uh, earlier in the morning um, that came from Mark Stein. From what I've told, that was more like somewhat w- w- within like a Kyle Lowry, like three-team package chatter. Like that 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 wasn't close. That wasn't advanced that far. If Ubre was traded today, sounds like to me it would have been more for – a roster downgrade attached to an asset or maybe just to save a bunch of money. You know, yep. I wouldn't be surprised. You know how Evan Fournier went to Boston uh, into the trade exception for two second rounders. Yep. Um, I, I am not reporting this because I don't know that this was on the table for the words. I haven't been told this, but it seems to me like something like that where maybe Ubre instead of Fournier goes to Boston, you just save absurd tax money, get back a couple second rounders. Um, like that might've been on the table and the worries just, they didn't view those type of deals as enough to just com- completely end the Kelly Oubre experiment. But I just, you're, I mean, you're generally right. We overrate quotes like that, but it's just, to me, it's, it's, it's a eyebrow raising end to a uh, generally not great night for the Warriors and, and, yeah, and the yeah. public messaging overall lately has not been terrific. It's just, yeah, well, they don't, yeah, they don't know. They don't know. Uh, and, and we can tell they don't know. And, you know, they're, they're kind of all over the place, but that's where they are right now, uh, especially with Steph and Draymond out and them losing games and it's not looking great. And Wiseman, you know, ha- putting a game like that up and you're not really sure, you know, Eric Pascal's now out of the rotation. You know, there's just some things that they they don't have settled, and they're making it very clear they don't have it settled. And you know, that's what happens when you're you're not quite as good as you want to be. 
we'll see what happens. You know, they, they, I just say it really got to get those picks, and they're going to get their own because it's going to be protected one through twenty. They're not going to be one of the top ten teams, ten records in the league, uh, and then we'll see what happens on the Minnesota pick. But they they really need those picks. That's how they get better. That's how they fill these gaps. Uh, whether Ubre's on the team or not, whether Baysmore's on the team or not, whether you know all, we can go through the guys who may or may not be on the team, but those draft picks are are the ball game for them next offseason. And they could use them to trade. They could draft with them, but they need those two picks. Lottery night could be, like, nail-biting yes. for them. Huge, huge. Yes. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. But, you know, you know I, I don't – I'm, I'm someone who said they should have kept Dubre, which they did, just because unless they got a great deal, because it just made sense. But if they traded him today, I bet but, the package that fans would have seen coming back would not have intrigued exactly. them much. Exactly. You know, it wasn't going to be for the stuff that people wanted, and the. Uh, but then also, I'll, I'll go on the other side. If you lose Dubre, uh, you know, and baseball has been playing terrible, but he played pretty good tonight. Is Kent Bazemore possibly that much worse than Kelly Oubre they, next I, season? Well, how about Damian Lee? Like if I was Damian Lee, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like we we, we value a lot about Oubre, and I've said it myself. He can defend the perimeter, but he, you know they didn't put him on De'Aaron Fox tonight, and there probably was a reason for that. We'll see. Uh, and I don't know. It, it, you know, Kelly Oubre at seventeen million a year. Putting you way into the tax is going is that much more valuable than Kent Bazemore get on another one year deal for three million next season? I don't think it's that huge a difference. I really don't. You you would rather have Ubre than not have Ubre. He could really help you out if Clay is not back for a month. No question, he would help you out in a playoff series. I don't think it's that big a deal one way or the other. So that, that's the yeah, kind of, but that's I, a stronger I, argument for pulling the trigger today. Then I guess so, but I, I mean, he makes you a little bit better. You know, he does make you, and it's a it's a percentage play, but it's also a percentage play that you're doing it because even if you lose him, it's not that big a deal. The risk, what's the the worst case scenario is he walks away for nothing. That's not that big a deal. So what I'm saying is the percentage they're playing is, okay, they, they, they keep them. They pay a huge amount of money for somebody who's slightly better than anything else they could get. And if they risk losing him altogether, it's not that big a risk. Yeah. Uh, as far as the game goes, you know, they're leaning into the youth movement. We mentioned the Wiseman struggles today. Uh, two travels and an offensive foul in the first well, half. Recon, Recon Holmes just ate him up. How about those like Who's push shots from Rashawn Holmes? Like, they're... In, in the, in the, from eight feet runner push, but he, you know, he held his ground against Wiseman. We've seen a lot of guys hold their ground against Wiseman, but he really did. He just couldn't. He couldn't do anything against him. And Holmes is not a bad player. Obviously, I mean, he's won a starting job there. He is going to be a, a long-term NBA starting center. But, again, it's not great for Wiseman's projections when he runs into a guy like that and he can't do anything. Now, and I don't think the Warriors are great at trying to get him the ball or get him on the move. They weren't doing any of the things you'd think they would do to get him developed. It, you know, he was just – Just get him some buckets. To me, it was like um, it was like he would just run up and down the court for seven straight possessions just floating, and then suddenly yeah. – on the eighth possession, he'd get it, and he'd be like, "Oh, I got it!" And then it was like travel, or you know, yep. bash into somebody for an offensive foul. And you know, it's a trend I've noticed with him. Where, and this is, you know, Draymond. I looked at the assist numbers. Draymond Green has assisted on thirty-seven Wiseman buckets this year. Curry's at twenty-nine, and then it's this massive drop off. I think fourteen's the next after that. As Wiggins, like, is Wiggins? I'm, uh, Wiggins might be like a two. No, it's actually fourteen, shockingly. Really? But, wow, yeah. that's surprising to me. That's surprising. I just don't recall any of them myself. Yeah. I just don't. But I mean, 
Draymond finds him more than anybody. Yep. And yep. while I think Wiseman's struggles today are very much on him, he was open a few times, and you can tell like when he's open, he's kind of a thirsty scorer. You know, I mean, yep. Ethan's talked about it, uh, and he seems to hang his head when he gets missed a couple times earlier, doesn't make a shot. Whereas flip side. When in those games that Draymond Green has got him some early dunks, he seems to be more energized on defense, more alert, more physical. Um, and that's something he must fix, right? You can't, as an NBA center on a winning team, like you can't let your offensive touches early affect your defensive mood and just your impact on the game. Like that's something he definitely has to solve. But at the same time, I do think just the mix of today and, and how he was being kind of unused and missed a bunch. Like Nico Mannion is out there like calling his own number every time and hitting yep. five threes, but yep. um, that's kind of dragging him down a little bit. Curse at post game, like he doesn't need to call more plays for him. He just thinks it's about experience, but I mean, I don't know that they're putting him in the right situation. And the reality yep. is he's worse than he was two months ago. And I know that in between those January to March, there was the wrist sprain that set him back. There's this COVID protocol stuff, all that, in and out of the starting lineup. I just, if you're looking at the developmental curve of a rookie season, it's not good if you're worse in March than January, however you got there. No question. It was bad. It was bad tonight, and it hasn't been, it hasn't been great for a while. Uh, some of this is you just got to make yourself available for these passes. Like, you got to say, this is the pass you have to make now. And he wasn't doing that. I don't know that they were looking for him. Uh, you know, it, it, it just didn't feel like they were looking for him. But he wasn't that open either. And then when he got it, it wasn't great. So, or he traveled, or he fumbled the ball. But again, it, it's one moment in a, you know, what will be we all think a very long NBA career. We shall see. Uh, but tonight was bad, and we'll see what happens the next night. And we'll see what happens the next night. And see what happens the next night. Um, you do some see some things that I don't know that he's going to fix. You know, I don't know the stumbling when he when he goes into a, a big center or a sturdy center. He stumbles. He doesn't like go into them. He just kind of like gets bounced off of them, and then the possession's lost. There, there's some things that lower that body do, strength. Yeah, he just doesn't like. You feel like. Like he's got an angle on it where he can figure out, okay, I've got to go take the bump here and then extend to go over there. Uh, I, there are some issues there, uh, but young centers go through stuff. They just do. So uh, I, I, I will chalk this one up. We'll all chalk it up and see what happens in the next few games. Uh, but they, they got to live with it. That's the one thing I think Steve has gone back and forth on this, where he's going to live with it, and then he gets tired of it, and he's going to live with it. He gets tired, and that's not been great for Wiseman. It hasn't. No, that's, you know, that's hurt his a, confidence, and we can exactly, see how much that matters, right? He's Exactly. There's not been a consistent kind of message to him. And I think you just got to say, we're going to, we're going to play. We're going to, you know, like I thought it was like, is Kerr not going to put him back in here in the second half? But he did put him back in the second half. Uh, and it, the game was out of hand, but like, there are times where Kurt would not have put him back in. Put him back in. Give him those minutes. Let him run up and down. Let him get a feel for it. Let him get a bucket. All those things. Uh, and I just think you got to be considered again. Some of it's you know COVID and injury, and there's been all these other issues. But there's been so many mixed things being said for different reasons, not all illogical. They just got to stick with it now. Like you are playing, you are starting. This is it. And we will deal with your mistakes. You will be coached, and you'll be better at the end of it. And that's why I think it's important for them to try to keep winning. And, you know, 
they got the Minnesota picks theoretically if they if they landed. They don't have, they don't oh, necessarily look, they don't need, need to, to try to they own. don't need to try to yeah. get down from like the seventeenth pick to the eleventh pick. Like no, that's not no. that big a difference in this draft. It isn't. And, and you want him in competitive moments. You want him, you know, in a second to last regular season game. And you got you got to win this game to stay in the play in or get home yeah. court for play, like play a home court in the play in or whatever. You want to see what that looks like in his eyes. And you want him, you know, to feel those moments. You want them all to do it. You want Jordan Poole to do it. You want Nico Mannion to do Draymond it. Draymond Green and Steph Curry want to do it, I'm sure. You know, they yes, want to be exactly. back in so, the I, I think they will. You know they'll get Steph and Draymond back. They will go on a little, you know, mini run, whatever. We know the schedule softer, and then that will drag Wiseman into some competitive moments. And I think we all want to see that. You don't throw it away. You you keep playing. You keep playing Steph and Draymond. Just you know they haven't played a ton of basketball. I mean, neither one of them, not even this season, have they played a ton of basketball. Then uh, they you know they obviously missed a ton of last season. You just want to play games. Get them into this. Get them into the flow with Wiseman and see if they can, you know, what this team looks like when it really matters. I'm very curious. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The rest of this season, you know, however many games it is now left, they matter. They matter for next season, even though they're it's not going to end in a title. Anything, I mean, like the whole like Juan Toscano Anderson leaping Eric Paschal is notable. JT, I think, with three of three from three tonight, six to six overall, he had the windmill dunk from yep. – from what I've been told, one of those roster spots now, they have two empty roster spots. One will very likely go to him at some point. There's no rush. You know, there's no yep. two way game limit at this point in the season. Um, but I would expect down the line them to work out a team friendly deal with him that extends into year. next yeah. season. Yeah, a two year deal. Yeah, exactly. And he fits what they do. He's not great, but he fits what they do. And, and in a way that Eric Pascal, who's more talented, a scorer, who does a lot of interesting things, just doesn't fit. And I know, as you know, I've been saying this for a while now. I just, if he doesn't shoot the three, Eric Pascal doesn't fit because he doesn't play multiple, you know, he doesn't defend multiple positions. He doesn't really pass the ball great. He can't hit the outside shot. There's just so many things that he doesn't do that the Warriors like out of guy. He doesn't make that those decisions that, that JTA make. And I, I don't know that JTA is, like going to be a rotation guy next season, borderline depending on what the ro- ro- roster makeup is. But he's he's better for them than than Pascal is. He just is. It just you can just see the fit, the cuts, the passes. You know things happen when he's out there. He strips. You know De'Aaron Fox. You know those are things that Pascal doesn't do. And I don't know what he's ever going to do. And I don't know if they can trade Pascal. I don't. Know. Do you think Pascal has like can they trade him in the off season? Is there something to get for Eric Pascal? Yeah, I mean, if I'm a team, I'm throwing, you know, do you consider like a second round pick? Something? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, that's what it is. It's a second round pick. You know, it's not. Well, and he was a like second some, round pick. Now, yeah, it, but he was well, all rookie yes, team, all rookie, all rookie first. team. You know, I mean, you know, all those things. He can't get buckets. I mean, he can't get points, but I, I just don't see him. I don't think he was tradable very right. You know, at the I deadline, think they he wanted has a to. chance to, you know, he still has 30 something games to like rewrite that 
for himself. I do generally agree with you. The problem is he's not, he doesn't really fit with the centers they have, and now they're committed to playing centers, right? The best we've seen him this season is as a small ball center, but the reality is moving forward, you can't just pencil him in as like a you know a 12 to 20-minute-per-night center. Yep. You just yep. – he needs to be a four, and he has not succeeded as a four in this league, and he doesn't fit with the Warriors' other bigs at this point. Now, I did have one coach – uh, say to me, look at his three-point percentage basically right before the All-Star break. He missed a bunch late, and he was like in the 32, 33% range. He has to be that. We've talked about how that's such a swing skill for him, but now the the problem he's facing as, we, as you peer forward is like he's just going to get such inconsistent yep. playing time, and how do you yep. get a rhythm? How do you get a jump shot rhythm with with that so yeah <laughs> with that and with that jump shot too <laughs> yeah i mean but, uh, but I, really how about tonight draymond green doesn't play and he still gets yep. a dmp that's yep. a it's, big problem for so him. it's very telling it's very telling and you almost think they probably should have just traded him you know today if, if this was going to be the situation but someone could get hurt you know if, if draymond's out for a significant time they will need uh, people to take up some minutes there uh but it's not it's not good for Pascal. You just look at it. Who does he play with? That's the problem. It's who does he play with? And he can't play with Wiseman. He can't play with Looney. He can't play with Draymond. Then he can't play on this team. And, and JTA, in his in his you know general way, not in, 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 doesn't blow your mind in anything. He fits pretty much. It, he can fit yeah. any lineup basically. Exactly. And he can you know like the, he's defending Darren Fox off the of switches, and they're very comfortable with. That. You know, it's just stuff like that. That's the stuff those the Warriors love. It's like all of a sudden, boom, he switched on De'Aaron Fox, and Fox isn't blowing by him. And maybe he is once, like he blew by everybody. But you're not too worried about Nico it. Nico Mannion didn't and lock him up tonight. <laughs> that wasn't too good. Uh, as I said, he kind of was guarding him. I mean, he was assigned to him. Uh, but, yeah, there's Eric Baskell's got a tough fit on this team. And I, I just don't, I don't know what they do with him, you know, I I would assume he's on another team next season, but it's just going to be hard. It's, he's going to be a piece of another trade. Is what's Maybe. Have to be. I mean, yeah. we'll see. I'm. I think we're going to learn a lot in the next thirty games, and th- that's about him. I, I. I do. I'm. I do see where it's trending, like you do. But he's also had moments. I don't. Know, like to me, he hasn't seemed right with the knee. In a while, like he yeah. just had more just yeah. juice burst to the rim early in the season. Yeah, but even when he's been bursting to the rim lately, again, it might be some some slowing by the knee. But he like he jumps, and then there's a tall guy right there. He goes, okay, you can jump all you want, but I'm going to still have my hand on the ball here. Like there's just the stuff he does isn't what a six foot five guy is really able to do in the NBA, uh, and it's just tough. If he hit the three, then it would open up something because he would draw people out to him, but He's not hitting the three, and I don't know that he is going to. They tried to the whole thing was to try to redo his jump shot, right? The whole off season, which was a really long off season, and he said he was going to redo the jump shot. And what half a game into the preseason, he's that jump shot's the same as it was, and that's not going to be a consistent NBA career jump shot. It's just not. So, and I've been tough on him. I have been tough on him from the beginning because I just don't see the role for him in, in the way this roster is constructed. The Brad Wanamaker era is over. Yeah, <laughs> what, a, what an era that was. What a glorious era. Hey, he could have been somebody who who would have been decent for them. He just can't, can't couldn't make a shot. Sometimes that happens. He just could not make a shot. Well, now, he wasn't 
very good in a lot of other ways. But he did you know he played a little defense. He was better than Nico Mannion. Uh, but it comes a time where if you're a point guard and you can't make a shot, well, what are you going to do? You well, know, the big problem they had with you know, especially once they sent Pool to the G League, because there were moments early in the season, including the last Pool game before the G League, where they were on the court together and Pool does a bit more, even though yep. he's technically the off guard. And I think Pool had like 19 points. He was kind of creating in that lineup. Um, Pool leaves, and then for that whole stretch while he's in the G League, it's Wanamaker playing the non-Curry minutes. And Curry even had a comment about it, you know, when when, when we're asking more about the Wanamaker struggles, like late in his term, uh, Curry's like, well, you know, last season he was better because he was next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. He had creators right. out there. And on this team, what we're asking him to do, he's not, that's not his game. And so it makes you wonder, like, why was he in those lineups, you know, where I understand that he's the backup. So when Curry's off the floor, he's not, but it's just, he wasn't in position to succeed really. And that was like admitted, yeah, and I, I guess it's I mean, fully I, admitted by the fact that they just salary dumped him today. Yeah, I agree with that. But also, if you are an NBA point guard, you do have to make more shots than he made. You just have to, you know. I mean, they weren't they were standstill three point shots. You know, <laughs> like he was making twenty percent of them. Uh, yeah, you know that's a, that's it's just true. a failure. It's a failure of personnel. They're the ones who went on got him. I agreed with it because I thought he was pretty good for Boston last season. But I don't care who your who the lineup is with, who's on the bench. What if you're a point guard and you're getting the ball kicked out to you and you're shooting a standstill three pointer? You have to make more of them than he did. Period. And then he was doing those crazy, you know, drives, which I'm all for. But you have to make them, and he wasn't making any of those either. So, for all the things I admire about veterans who play defense, and I do. In that position, you just got to make some baskets. You just have to. Nico Mannion, who I did not think was going to be a good three-point shooter, is making three-pointers. That's a big deal. It just, you know, Eric Pascal not making big threes is big. JTA making a few. He made, what, two tonight? That's big. You just have to do it. Like, this is the, this is the modern NBA. You can't, you know, and, and they have some guys who don't shoot threes already. Two of them, you know, they've been starting for a while. Um, this is This is the NBA where you need players who can make threes. You just have to they have to feel like they can make it three. It doesn't have to be Steph Curry, but it's got to be someone you feel can make it three. And Juan Maker wasn't, and that's a failure. Failure of a personnel move. I get it. It's, that happens in, in, in this NBA, but it was it just didn't work. Marquise Chris also, um, you know, that's to me a more potentially impactful trade away. Now he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. If if I would not be shocked if he comes back. No, to the no, you know, if it's a minimum, you, they're going to landscape the league, and like he won't be first on the checklist of of off season, you know, roster building decisions. But if it comes down to it, and and they're you know he's one of the available centers, and they're looking for a backup, certainly. And from what I've heard, both sides you know leave amicably. So, yeah. All right, Tim. Hey, NBC Sports Bay Area loses a weekly commentator, though. He was, he was good on the broadcast, too. Yeah, yeah. He was fantastic, fantastic on the broadcast. Like he, that's the biggest void of all. Uh, but I think he's a guy that they really – they liked him 